Welcome to PNC C-Speak, the language of executives. I'm Carol Daniel, along with Michael Scully, regional president of PNC. Each podcast features local and regional C-level executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge-sharing platform provides insights on forward-thinking business approaches that disrupt the status quo and encourage business leaders to think differently. Today, Mike and I welcome Jane Ann Calloway-Haybeck, founder and president of Calloway-Haybeck Talent Consulting. Welcome. Today we're going to talk about three things, the great resignation, the great reshuffle, and the great reengagement. I don't think a day goes by where I don't read or hear about the challenges businesses are experiencing in their workforce. Jane Ann, walk us through what's going on here. Sure. So first, let's take it at the macro level. It is true that there is a trend and we're seeing record number of workers quitting their jobs, as many as four and a half million per month, which if you annualize that would be over 20% of the workforce. That's pretty significant. But when we talk about a record, so to speak, the problem is that this data only started being tracked in 2001. And it's quite likely that this data rivals the dot-com bubble, and even what was happening after World War II. So in that respect, I don't know that we could say that it's necessarily record numbers of people quitting. That said, these numbers are still high, and certain demographics are affected more than others. About 41% of all employees have considered leaving their jobs in the last year. That's pretty high. And in fact, I saw some data this morning that suggested it's even higher than that, over 50%. Disproportionately affected are women and caregivers. They say that over 50% of women are considering leaving their jobs because they want more flexibility, very specifically. Then there are other groups that are disproportionately affected, like the low-wage workers and then Gen Z for totally different reasons. Their reasons have to do with being even more driven by values and career growth than any generation we've even seen before. So you're... You're saying the data does not lie. It's it's true. We're having a record number of people quitting. Are you seeing their hot spots? You mentioned Gen Z. Gen Z. You mentioned low wage women in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Are there hot spots like healthcare, teaching, something like that? Um, I would say it's more of the lower wage industries like retail, restaurants, they're having an even harder time than they did before and probably more so than other industries in recruiting and retaining. So where does the concept of paying your bills, so people have to pay their bills, their rent, their ongoing, you know, lifestyle and life expenses, how do you quit your job, particularly if you're a low-wage person, and exist? So it doesn't make sense to me. Well, they're quitting their jobs with a plan, at least a short-term plan. They're either going somewhere else where they can make more money, or frankly, during the pandemic, a lot of the assistance helped them make some of these short-term decisions. So Jane Ann, we've heard about you know the great financial crisis in 09-10, and a lot of people went back into the workforce. I'm curious if you think retirement has played a role Mm. here some years later. Uh, Yeah, I do think that that's played a role. There are fewer people in the workforce than we've had before. And a lot of the quote-unquote unemployment statistics, we're not sure if some of them have completely just exited from the labor market, at least for a while. 
So what do you uh, what does the term the great reshuffle mean exactly? So the great reshuffle has to do with this seismic shift that is occurring. This part is true. People are changing where, how, and even why they work. They're reevaluating their work and their life, taking into account everything about their life and how it interconnects. And some people call this the great reshuffle. It's fundamentally changing what type of work they do and where they do it. So give a couple of examples on on how that may play out in today's environment. Sure. So one of them is I already mentioned that women in particular, but it's true for other demographics too, want more flexibility. Work from home jobs are very, very hot. Before the pandemic, one in 67 jobs posted on LinkedIn was for remote workers. Now it's one in six. That is a huge change. So people are reshuffling and they're looking for flexibility. Uh, we're all facing that in the workforce. Uh, cl- uh, people have experienced it during the COVID crisis, and now some of them like it. They found that's their new lifestyle. Uh, how are people dealing with that in the corporate world? What are you seeing? What kind of trends? Yeah, so I'm seeing that this conversation is happening a lot. <laughs> and For me to generalize, I would say that management wants people back in the office. Employees want to work from home or at least have flexibility. Um, And candidates are looking for that, too. It's something like 66% of all job searches on Glassdoor last month, people were looking for work from home jobs. So how do you balance that, you know, desire to work from home and have flexibility with the needs of a business, for example, to have uh, collaboration, engagement, training of your your interns, for example, or your new hires. Uh, we, we've seen the big uh, four accounting firms seemingly outdo one another on flexibility, and I think some of them have actually gone to complete remote workforces. But there's got to be a second camp that you're going to lose something not having people in front of each other. How do, How do you look at that? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of what are the advantages of people being in the office, and that is collaboration, engagement, building relationships, building trust, um, as well as training does occur better when people are face-to-face or side-by-side. Keeping those things in mind, I think we need to rethink All the other reasons we used to say people needed to be in the office are really appropriate anymore. I think for a lot of employers, they wanted to see people because they thought they could measure their productivity that way. And we need to shift from outputs measurement to outcomes measurement. I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, Businesses were surprised at uh, how well they did in the culture with nobody in the workforce but it uh, it still leaves a question on on this hybrid model. What what is the best process you can have for your own company? So I'm curious uh, if you had a 25 year old version of yourself and you were advising, <laughs> you know, a son or daughter on on what to do about going into work every day or not. If it's uh, flexible and they have that choice, what would you recommend? I would recommend they do whatever they're most productive doing. Some people are very productive working in the office. Other people are more productive working from home. I would definitely recommend that if they were new in a job, they would go into the office 
for a while to build those relationships and get really comfortable, not comfortable, but secure in what they're doing and that they know how to do it and who to go to. I think that's good advice. I think of my own uh, company and we have a flexible work environment. We have a hybrid model. And so often I think when you look at reasons people have for not wanting to come in, you have to ask yourself, is our office environment welcoming? Are we Mm. having enough fun? You hear a lot of things in magazines you read and uh, ways to get your workforce in, make sure you have lunch perhaps or games or this or that. I think it really comes down to convenience and desire at the end of the day that somebody, it's just a lot more convenient not to have to commute, not to have to park and pay and things like that. But I think you really have to balance that against uh, training people and creating a sense of uh, collegiality amongst your team. Yeah. The other thing I would add is trust, creating a culture of trust, trusting your people to make the right decisions, but then also having so much trust built up in management that if management says, I need you to come in for X, Y, and Z or anything really, that people trust that. I so agree. Uh, you mentioned the great re-engagement. I'm not familiar with this concept. What What's going on here? So the great re-engagement is coming from the fact that burnout is definitely up. Seven out of eight people say they don't care what happens to their company. That is scary to me as an HR professional. <laughs> um, that is some serious disengagement. And so I think that employers have a lot of work to do to re-engage people. Just because people aren't looking to leave doesn't mean that they're engaged and highly productive and highly happy in what they're doing. And so there are a few things that I'm seeing as being positive ways of coming at this. One is creating that culture of trust, like we just talked about, a culture of flexibility. The second way is building people's skills and really arming them to have a good career path. And the third area would be creating a sense of belonging, that everybody belongs there. So if you're speaking to our listeners today as a consultant uh, uh, in HR, strategies and things, how would you measure something like this re-engagement? Well, I'm actually going to start with the last thing I mentioned, which is a culture of belonging. Um, I have several clients who, in addition to their engagement index of the surveys that they do, they're adding a belonging index. And if people say that they highly agree that they belong somewhere, then I think that is over half the battle. And then the engagement index itself Um, particularly if companies have been doing it before, it gives you a great trend line of which direction you're going in. So how does this story end? Uh, We've been through a lot in the last two plus years. I'm curious how how it ends. How do we return to pre-COVID norms or do we return to pre-COVID norms? That is a great question. I think everybody likes the idea of returning to pre-COVID norms. The reality is a lot of the changes that happened, we are finding, aren't just short-term and specific to the pandemic. People, like I mentioned, have fundamentally changed how they think about work. I think a lot of people realize they were 
living to work instead of working to live, to use the old adage. And so when we think about a lot of these things, we can't keep using the same recipe when the ingredients have changed. Also, I don't think the great resignation is slowing anytime soon. I mean, if over 50% of the workforce is thinking about leaving, that tells me the trend is continuing to go up. Well, Jane, and that's that's an interesting point. And it's also changing from the business side. I One of our great companies in St. Louis today announced their earnings. And one of the keys to their earnings release was their expectation that their uh, occupancy cost will go down because their space needs have decreased, decreased dramatically with a more flexible workforce. So it's it really cuts both ways in terms of, of companies looking at this this paradigm shift. Yeah, I actually had a client who, at the beginning of the pandemic, negotiated out of all of their leases, and they're now 100% virtual. Wow. Yeah. By the way, they're also the client having the easiest time recruiting people. Jane Ann, it seems to me that with all this resignation and reshuffling, there's also the great regret. People that, that make changes uh, maybe too hastily and then regret it. So what do you recommend to those companies that hire all these new employees to make sure there's some stickiness there? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, that's true. And a lot of times the grass seems greener on the other side. In terms of how do you combat that or how do you address that as an employer, I'm always a fan of just check-ins, having real conversations with people and giving them a space to be honest. You know, a week in, a month in, two months in, three months in, don't let it stop. Um, And then on an ongoing basis for all employees, I'm a fan of every six months having a real authentic conversation about how people are doing and how they're feeling. What, What did they love about the last six months? What do they wish they could change about the last six months? Thank you, Jane and Mike, and of course, our C-Speak audience for being with us today. Listen to any C-Speak episode you might have missed at kmox.com slash PNC C-Speak. PNC C-Speak, the language of executives.